Northwest Prime, bringing Seattle to the world and the world to Seattle. I'm your host, Lori Ness, a soldier on the front line of the mainstream. You can listen to this and other shows at northwestprime.com and be sure to stay with Seattle Wave Radio 24-7, 365 for more great music and interviews. We're starting a movement of kindness and we want you to join us. Let's get this show started. Well, after much rain, it's a wonderful day here in Seattle, and we love to talk about food when the sun's out, and we're going to do that again today. A great cookbook tells a story about food, where it comes from, how to use it, what to make with it. Authors Elisa and Robert Bildner take it one step further in their new cookbook, The Berkshire Farm Table Cookbook, bringing readers the stories of farmers who work and live in the region. The Bildners welcome us to the Berkshires, where the husband and wife authors have kept a country home for over 35 years. Each recipe is associated with a specific farm. The Berkshire Farm Table Cookbook, already an Amazon number one bestseller, is a love letter to the region. And my guests today are both Robert and Elisa, and we want to welcome them to Seattle. So thank you for coming on. We know all about utilizing for. Uh, farmers market so this is kind of a coast-to-coast kinship we have with you yeah we sure do thank you it's great pleasure and we're big fans of seattle especially when the weather is sunny and we've been in seattle when the weather is sunny so thanks (laughs) thanks for having us it doesn't happen all the time no we know (laughs) that we know that too yeah and thank you for the shout out about our amazon um, uh, the sales, uh, we actually got a wonderful review yesterday in the New York Times and great local reviews, and we're the one, number one new release in our regional cookbook. So it's really exciting to get the word out about buying local and supporting farmers. And, and Laura, I would just add um, that what, what you said about uh, kinship in Seattle, although our book is focused on a particular area of the country, about the small family farms in the Berkshires of western Massachusetts, New York, Vermont, the message that we are telling and the stories that we're telling are really stories of small family farms all over the country. Um, same issues, uh, you know, sa- same message, which is what we're saying in our book is know your local farmer and buy, buy local. Absolutely. And, and you really talk about in here um, the challenges that the local farmers have, the um, the disappearing of, of the local farms, and, and just like you said, it's something that, that we can relate to no matter where we live. It's happening totally. all across the country. Yeah, totally, and especially now during this uh, time of pandemic, uh, it's more essential than ever to support our local farmers, to buy local, and to know our farmers in our region, um, most of the farmers that we write about, we write about 42 farmers and farm-to-table restaurants. We really tell their stories, and, of course, we have wonderful recipes, 125 inspired by them. But these farmers have uh, CSAs that are very, very busy right now. They have farm stores where you can pick up uh, produce, and that's quite busy. Obviously, the restaurants have takeout and the farmers markets um, in 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 our area are are now opening. In fact, our local market's just opening today. So there are many ways we can all support our local farmers by buying local. Well, 
your love for this area and that region really comes through in, in this book. And one thing that I really love about Seattle is everybody's very transient in um, they're moving. They've, they've been to the East Coast. Maybe they're from the East Coast. So they're very familiar with, with this region that, that you're talking about, specifically in, in the Berkshire Farm Table Cookbook. So it's, it's not something that's very re a very remote idea to people here locally because they have connections all, all over the, the country and really specifically to, to this area. And I, I wanted you two to talk about what makes that the Berkshire so magical. Yes, uh, thank you. And I really appreciate the opportunity. Uh, uh, some of the reviews have, have described our book as a love letter to the area. Well, like Seattle, it's an area that's very outdoorsy, beautiful hills and lakes, uh, wonderful recreational opportunities, but also this area, which is western Massachusetts, neighboring New York, southern Vermont, and Connecticut, has a tremendous amount of culture. Uh, summer home of the Boston Symphony, lots of theaters, and so forth. And beyond all that, it's a food hub. And there, as we described, uh, wonderful local farmers, farm-to-table restaurants, lots of uh, bed and breakfasts and inns. So it's really a very popular spot uh, for folks from all over the country and, and, frankly, North America and around the world. Obviously, lots of folks from New York have uh, homes here, Boston as well. But it's really special. We encourage your listeners, uh, when we can start to travel, please come and visit the Berkshires. What, one of our motivations for writing the cookbook is that people know this area from, you know, the tourist vantage point, um, particularly during the summer, although there's ski, um, there's ski seasons as well, uh, and foliage, et cetera. But people would know all about the culture, know all about, um, you know, that aspect of the Berkshires, but what they didn't know is that, and we didn't know either, and we, again, we had a home here for many, many years, it's what's going on down some, you know, very remote roads, farms that nobody knew about, small family farms, uh, people working extraordinarily hard, like unbelievably hard, to bring that food to the table and to the farmer's market. And, and people go to farmer's market and buy the tomato or whatever. Sometimes they think maybe it's too expensive, whatever. What they didn't see is what went into the production of that produce or the meat that might be at the farmer's market. And that's what we wanted to shed a light on, as well as obviously uh, you know, show that great recipes can come from this food. Well, you're really telling the story of the family farm through words and photographs and these recipes. And why don't you take us back to the beginning, because this is your your, your first cookbook, right? And kind of tell us how it all started. <laughs> Maybe it's our last, I don't know. It's been uh, it's it's been a labor of love for, I'd say, over seven years. Well, let's start by saying that we do have a background in the food business. So I, I had started um, food companies um, about 30 years ago, food distribution companies and food manufacturing companies that focused on bringing unique products, specialty products, organic produce to the mainstream market, uh, in, primarily in the East Coast. My family had been in the supermarket business, and I'm actually probably the third generation in the, in the food business. Our kids are involved in pizza making and wine, so maybe the fourth. So we had a background in, in food. But as we spent more time in the Berkshires, one of our kids, our youngest, uh, began to farm. His name's Rafi. began to farm our backyard. We have like a half acre uh, because he learned about farming in a program when he was high school. He took a semester off. 
and he began selling his produce in farmers markets. He had a little vegetable stand down the road. We began to follow him around uh, to the markets, and we met some of the other farmers in our community, and we're so inspired by them. We got to know some of their stories, uh, why they're doing what they're doing, and the more time we spent with them, we just became you know, big advocates, and we decided with this background in food um, and a love of the area and being inspired by them, what a great project to bring their story to light. The cookbook part comes from uh, Lisa has a culinary degree, a master's in nutrition. We're big entertainers, and I'm a photographer, so I took all the photographs in the book, and we just combined all that, and you know, seven years later, here we are with this cookbook that's uh, – uh, it's pretty exciting. <laughs> we never thought we would get to this point, but we love sharing the messages of buying uh, locals, knowing your farmer, and, and cooking. At this time, it's more important than ever. And what we learned from Rafi as well when we went to the farmer's market and also ate his produce is that the taste, and, and those who are gardeners on the phone and, and produce their own fruits and vegetables will certainly understand there's nothing like walking into your backyard and taking some lettuce and eating it, you know, a second after it's picked. There's, there's yeah. no equivalent, and that's what you see on farmer's markets. And also from a nutritional point of view, uh, especially since we've been in the distribution uh, business, I ran one of our companies, um, the amount of nutrition lost by carrying food across country or, or uh, from south to north or whatever it is, is tremendous. So there's more nutrition, more taste, and that's something we learned, again, from, from uh, these farmers. I say that, you know, our, my company actually brought in apples from Washington, so I used to you know, go to Washington, visit with growers, so very familiar with the challenges growers have. But what so impressed us about our local farms are in our community, I think all over, is the care the farmers take about uh, nurturing the soil, being very conscientious about whatever uh, methods they use to uh, grow uh, chemicals and uh, and so all that kind of boiled into this book, but first and foremost, it's a it's a story. It's a cookbook, you know, and we're proud of 125 recipes that were developed by one of our local, um, very prominent chefs, Brian Allberg, inspired by what the farmers grow and raise. They're simple. They're straightforward. They highlight uh, they highlight fresh ingredients. Well, and you also highlight ethical farming and the, the, the 42 local farmers that you have um, highlighted in the cookbook, um, you, you talk about ethical farming. And I wanted you to maybe touch on that just a little bit because I know that's so important to so many people. So, uh, so again, appreciate the question. So one of the things that we found is that every farmer that we interviewed was what we would call a conscious farmer. Um, these are people who, who sacrifice their own comfort. This is not a way to make a lot of money. Um, even the larger farms are not making a, a lot of money, and hopefully they are making some money. But so they're sacrificing their comfort, their in, income, et cetera, for their passion and commitment to the principles that guide their farming, which is care of the soil, care for the environment, care for, care for the community, care for the health of the people around them. And they, they farm according to these principles. So I, I think of one particular farmer, um, Hawk Dance Farm, actually two farmers, um, Diane and Damon, and in an interview with them, they said that they don't want, for example, they won't use GMO seeds because they don't want to be genetic experiments for themselves or for the people who, um, who, who buy their stuff. And that, was, that theme has come out with every single farmer, the care they have you know, for their customer. And um, I would just amplify one thing, just to go back to the, the cookbook thing, if you don't mind, because um, we sometimes get so involved talking about 
the, sure. these farmers and their stories and the you know principles by which they you know operate that we forget to talk about the cookbook. And I do want to just mention that again, what makes the recipes in the cookbook. Um, work so well is their reliance on fresh and local. When you have a phenomenal ingredient, and I know this is a show that discusses food, so I'm sure you've discussed this, if you start with a phenomenal ingredient, you will have a phenomenal dish. And while the recipes can be used year-round, we're urging readers, our readers to, if they have access to the freshest, usually local food, uh, buy it and use it. Absolutely. You know, we've talked about that in the past here on the show. Buy the best ingredients you can afford, whether that's in your, your meat or your produce, because it absolutely makes a difference. And, and as, as we've discovered here, um, talking to many, uh, you know, urban farmers who have uh, window boxes with, with some herbs or maybe small vegetables in it, when you pull that out of the soil, it's a, it's a taste that you will never, ever find in the store, in the grocery store. It gives it a completely different, it's almost I, you know, I, I don't want to say candy, but but it's it's earth candy. It is so fresh and it's so wonderful, and you just want more and more and more of it. Um, it's addictive, uh, like 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 sugar, but it's but it's so wonderful and natural and healthy and wonderful for you. And so a lot of times we go to the farmers markets and we see this abundance and we don't know what to do with it. So that's why. This, uh, this cookbook is so timely for us because everybody's ready to get out and they're ready to hit the farmer's markets and the Berkshire Farm Cable Cookbook, you know, take it with you. Walk up and down the aisles uh, with, the, with the farmers. Um, pick out some recipes that, that, that you want to make and then see what everybody's selling. And, you know, you can highlight it as you take the book with you. We've talked to so many people who love to to, to the stores and to the farmers markets with them, and I think this is a really great thing to do: is to take the cookbook with you and well, kind of so, plan out the meals. Yeah. So two. Yeah. Totally. So two. Two. Uh, two points on that. One, you talk about uh, produce like candy. One of our farmers, Woven Roots Farms. Uh, tells us a story. They grow the most amazing carrots. We never had carrots like that. The carrots mm-hmm. were like candy, and at their mm-hmm. kids' birthday parties when they would bring friends over. They didn't give candy, candy. They gave carrots, and kids mm-hmm. would show up at the parties and ask, "Where are the carrots?" And uh, <laughs> that's they were. And, and we have many recipes highlighting carrots. We also tell the story to your point about being very open-minded going into the farmers market about a, a gentleman, his name's Michael Ballin, who sadly passed away about a year ago, but he was one of our pioneer farm table chefs in the area. And he talks about, you know, when you go to the farmer's market, we've got this great quote. He says, allow the serendipity of the garden's harvest to decide your menu, meaning be open-minded. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that one of the things that we tend to do, and I have to, I have to say, uh, uh, this was me. You know, we'd walk into a supermarket and you'd see like rutabaga, and you'd see celeriac or celery root or kohlrabi, and you'd sort of walk by and say, I don't know what to do with that stuff, and sort of you know move on. And one of the things we're hoping with our cookbook is that people will take some, will be less inclined to to walk by these vegetables and other other products as well, and and try them. 
Um, so, for example, we have two recipes involved, kohlrabi. And I'm telling you honestly, before I did this cookbook, I really did not do anything with kohlrabi. But we have one farmer. Um, it's called Caretaker Farm, Bridget Span, And Bridget tells the story of how one day she was making a chili from, I think, a moosewood cookbook because she didn't have the right ingredients. She has a farm that has innumerable varieties of, of uh, offerings. And, but she happened to have some kohlrabi sitting next to her. And she said, God, I wonder if you can stick kohlrabi in chili. Went online, found, yeah, people put kohlrabi in chili. That inspired our recipe, because she did the prototype of this, of um, bean chili, which focuses on kohlrabi. But by the way, if you don't have kohlrabi, and this is uh, one of the things, of course, we speak about, so you can substitute so many things. So you can substitute broccoli stems or whatever you want and come out still with a great dish. Well, what was the testing process? Because you have a, 125 recipes in, in the cookbook, and you, your neighbors or your family must have been thrilled that you guys were cooking all of this stuff, that you were testing these things, you were sampling them. How wonderful to be your friend during this process. <laughs> okay, what a great question. So uh, we're, we're actually doing a talk, a book talk, virtual later, and the one question is, what's the headline for your book? And our headline is, uh, couple finishes cookbook after seven long years. Family and friends celebrate. No more cookbook recipes to eat. <laughs> so that's our headline. But the testing process was very extensive. We had a, we really had a team of recipe testers. You know, we when we first started, we thought, oh, you know, we'll have our family, we'll have friends. Do, you know, test doesn't work. So we actually we hired professionals, um, and we actually had by we actually had a team of three, um, and plus Elisa is a trained chef. And it was extensive. I mean, every recipe was tested multiple times from the beginning when our chef actually created them, and I would say uh, four or five times. And then through the editing process, of course, uh, there's a tremendous amount of review and copy editing. So we're, we're, we're hopeful. We really we think we did it the right way. So far, so good. Um, the recipes that we think are terrific. Well, it's very quintessential New England, and everybody has this romance with with New England, and I think that you really captured that in the in the cookbook. And I was wondering what the reaction was from the farmers and the community, uh, because it's been seven years in the making, and then to see it and hold the book and 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 leaf through the the photos and and, ma and make the recipe, I, it, it has to be. Um, you know, a, a little overwhelming maybe to some. Um, yeah, um, I, I, would, <laughs> I would say the re the recipe, uh, the uh, the reaction's been fabulous. I, look, when we started and we told folks we're doing this cookbook, I think, um, you know, they everybody's skeptical. As you say, it was our first cookbook. Um, but as we um, proceeded and we, we doubled, uh, I would say we went back to everybody we, inter we interviewed at least two or three times uh, to do updates and to find out what's going on. And then most recently during the pandemic, of course, we've gone back to everybody and we've asked them, what are, what are you doing now? To, uh, how are you surviving? What can we do to help? So we've, we're, we're, we're in touch with them. They've welcomed our, our support. We have on our Facebook and our Instagram and our website, we're posting what every farm, what every restaurant's doing as far as takeout, pickup, CSAs. And the reaction has, has been very gratifying. I think that, um, uh, you know, they're, they're selling it in themselves and, you know, their farm stores where they have a farm store. So we're very pleased. 
So I, I would add, we have um, several heroes in our mind that come out of this whole venture. Certainly the farmers. They are absolute heroes. And the chefs. And, and the chefs, too. I mean, with both of them. What, what they do to, to produce and get something to your table is e- extraordinary. But the other hero I have, actually, are cookbook writers. And this goes to the mm. issue about the reaction. We've had a wonderful reaction from friends. I mean, I, we absolutely cannot keep up with our emails. And I think part of the reason is that... Most of the people we know, and I have, again have to include myself in this before I got involved in it, don't realize what it takes to write a cookbook. Um, you sort of think, oh, you throw through a few recipes in a book, there's binding, and it goes out to the stores. And the, the, the testing process, the um, uh, detail orientation of the project is phenomenal. Yeah. And I think that's what people realize when the book actually gets into your hands, um, yeah. what it took to put it together, as well as you know the photographs, which are, yeah. are gorgeous and other things. Um, yeah, the parts of it. And our local reviews have been wonderful. Of course, you know, you never can predict it, predict that. We're really grateful. The local papers, the Berkshire Eagle, w- just gave a beautiful tribute to, to the it. work we did, which I guess you read. So um, we're really, you know, we're, we're, we're very pleased. We're, we're a little surprised, to be honest, you know. Right. We've been working on this thing so long, but uh, it's great. Thank you. Did you feel any added pressure because – the area that, that you were highlighting and talking about and working with is such a creative and artistic community. Did, did that, you know, add to the stress um, Well, all? what a great question. Well, well, we, we do know some of the create some creative folks in the area. One of the most um, popular, well-known classical musicians in the area is Emmanuel Axe, Manny Axe, who's, you know, a pianist. And, um, we happen to know Manny's a friend. Uh, we asked if he would write a blurb for the book, and we're very honored because he did uh, write a blurb about uh, talking about the Berkshires as a cultural hub as well. He's a big foodie and a wine guy. Um, so, sure, yeah, there's some really extraordinary people, creators in, in the area, and uh, it's really an honor uh, to be recognized by them. Danny Meyer, who's a very well-known restaurateur, in New York, um, loves the book. He actually wrote a blurb uh, for it, and uh, many others. But uh, sure, it's uh, yeah, it's uh, a lot of pressure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fine, it's but fine. You know, we, well, we all have pressure in our careers, and this yeah. is our career number, whatever yeah, for each of us. So other, you know, you, you get you, the get, other you moral, all get used to it. The other moral of the story: you can reinvent yourself, right? In, in many stages. Absolutely. Well, you know, there, there's time in our life when all of our talents kind of come together. And that really happened with with you guys. You were accomplished, but you had you know photography and and you were foodies. And Elisa had the the chef's background, and all of these things really came together to to lead you to this to this exact point in time. And it doesn't look like a, a first cookbook. It looks like two people who have years and years and years of experience oh, and are gosh. just leading the, the way out. So um, it's, it's, it's actually a stunning stunning cookbook. That's how sweet of you, yeah. I would say as entrepreneurs, you know, it helped because we mm-hmm. had, I guess, just the uh, stubbornness maybe <laughs> and mm-hmm. the focus <laughs> to carry this thing through. You know, through, as we say, life gets in the way and, um, you know, ups and downs in life uh, over the years. Um, but we just kept going. So thank you so much. Yeah, we really appreciate uh, the and, recognition. And funny, the message we give to our kids and, and, you know, again, others might agree with this. Um, we tell our kids that, you know, all the things that you do in your life, 
add up, you know, in the end to, you know, the total person. It doesn't have to be always straight line. You can have different hobbies, different professions, different careers. Everything contributes in the end to, you know, the, to what you can contribute um, to the world. So I feel very strongly that uh, it doesn't have to be, you know, linear only. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's great advice. And one of the things I really liked in the cookbook were some of the names of these farms, and I'll, I'll just give a, a couple of them, but uh, When Pigs Fly Farms, I mean, that's just, you know, so great, and uh, Moon in the Pond uh, Farm, and you, yeah. you talked about uh, a couple of the other ones, uh, the Hawk Dance Farm, I think, and um, uh, there was a couple others, but every one of them just had these wonderful names for their farms. Talk oh, about yeah. creative people. So, yeah. so the Hawkins <laughs> farm got its name because, uh, for, for your listeners, because um, the the farmers called, thought of hawks as being their um, their omens. Their omens. And when they went to look for land, and land is a really big issue for these farmers, finding affordable land is one of the hardest things and barriers to entry into this field. But when they found the piece of property in New York State that they were interested in, some hawks were circling in the air, and I think they were mating, and I don't know enough about hawks to know exactly what it is, but they were circling around together, and that was the sign to these farmers to buy that land. So that's how it was hawked in farm. Wow. Oh, that's that's amazing. I I, I want to talk about a couple of the recipes in here. Um, and I of course I can't leave out the apple pie recipe because right here in Washington we have you know some of the best apples ever grown. Uh, For sure. And we're always an abundance of them, and we need to put them to use. And you have a wonderful apple pie recipe in here, and it's not very complicated. And I, I wanted you guys to to talk about that a little bit. Sure. Yeah, and that's inspired by it's just risky. lovely farmers. Um, called Riska Brook, um, and Bill Riska, very interesting story. Briefly, they're Finnish immigrants to our area. There's a whole Finnish community in a part of our county. Who knew? And um, they, Bill was a Vietnam uh, War vet, uh, came back to the kind of the family farm, which was a dairy farm. They couldn't make his dairy farmers. and just decided almost on a whim that, hey, you know, let's plant some apples. So anyway, he did, and they inspired us to create this recipe. And, and fortunately, his wife died. Um, we were lucky to interview her before she died. Barbara. But Barbara, she was wonder, just wonderful. Um, and Barbara was emphatic that when you're making an apple pie, that you use many varieties of apples. Just throw them all in. It's much more interesting, which, of course, we suggest in our recipe. And you focused on simple. And, again, one of the things, and I think Florence Fabricant in the New York Times used that word as well to yes. describe um, the cookbook. We consider it a compliment because the idea is that a recipe should be very accessible, very approachable, um, and we hope that the recipes, you know, with the exception maybe of a few that are more chef-oriented are a little more difficult, but really recipes that are easy enough to make, of which this apple pie um, is one. And I'll just tell you a very, very quick story. There's a chicken cacciatore recipe, and I know we're talking apples, and there's plenty of apples, uh, apple recipes in the book, including an apple bread, which is delicious, but there's a chicken cacciatore recipe that after it had gone through rec- professional recipe testing, a friend of mine said, can I try this recipe? So I said, sure. You know, of course, more people try it, the better. She tried the recipe, liked it, came back to me and said, but I want something fancier. She said, I wanted to have, you know, more ingredients and whatever. And I was totally lost my uh, my uh, mooring for a second, went back to Brian, uh, Chef Brian, and said, Brian, do you think you can make this recipe fancier? And Brian said to me, and it was the only time we've ever crossed words in any way, he said to me, Lisa, I think you forgot the mission of this book. The mission of this book is simple. It is to create the best food with relatively few ingredients and without complicated recipes. And he said, nope, you want the best peppers, the best 
tomatoes, that's what you need. That's chicken. Well, it was that, that was really good advice, but that might be a uh, inspiration for your next book is maybe something that goes to the next level, maybe yeah, for for those who want to challenge themselves. Well, one of the ones that I really liked in here because I'm a huge Brussels sprouts fan was the Brussels sprouts with smoked almond butter. I hadn't even thought of putting those two things together, um, mm. but that was really amazing and and I really can't wait it's already dog-eared here right in my in the cookbook and I'm going to make those because I love Brussels sprouts and we get them right here again locally and also the savory beet latkes um I've never seen or heard of that before and it's so colorful and it's so out of the box and I and you can tell just by looking at the picture it's going to be fantastic on your palate Oh, and it is. Well, again, tribute to Brian because these were his ideas, and he's an extraordinary, extraordinary chef, and again, as we said, quite well known. There's also uh, rutabaga latkes, and latkes, for people who don't know, are potato pancakes. And again, you can put lots of different vegetables in them. These happen to be very unusual. They're usually made just with potatoes, and how more right. interesting to add a few yeah. other, uh, you know, of these root vegetables. Yeah, we're highlighting, we're highlighting in our book variety. We're highlighting fresh. We're hi- highlighting a little, little, little thinking out of the box when it comes to cooking fresh. And, and the Brussels sprouts recipe you mentioned, which is a great one. It is Well, good. if you can't find smoked almonds, there are other ways around it. Again, it, it's, it does add a great flavor to it. But, again, what's the point of it? The Brussels sprouts are really, you know, fresh um, and, you know, make, the, make this recipe, you know, so good. We, we actually have a few, uh, workarounds with many of our recipes, uh, especially a lot of the meat recipes. There's a wonderful kale and sausage, sausage soup. But we have workarounds with vegetarian sausage, uh, alternatives for, for folks who are not meat eaters. So there's a lot of, lot of options in our book. But, but, I, but one thing I just would add very quickly, because we mentioned meat and we haven't focused much on, on the meat, um, I wanted to just make the point that one of the things that was so inspiring about these farmers uh, who inspired the meat recipes that are in the book is their treatment of animals. The way they treated the pigs, the cows, you know, the chickens, is, is something that you will not see, yeah. most likely, on, com- on major commercial yeah. farms. And we have f- photographs of the farmers, and what, a favorite photo is one of our pig farmers. He's sitting in, in, in where, where his pigs uh, uh, run around and looking them at them. His name's Kim Wells. Petting them. Really petting them with a lot of love back and forth. And we just love that, <laughs> love that photo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, there's – I think people, if given the choice – would always choose ethical farming and ethical uh, raising of, of animals. And it, it seems like with what's gone on maybe lately with the COVID-19 is that people have been able to take a step back and reassess and have really looked at independent growers uh, and, and trying to get their food in a more sustainable, more local, in a more local way. Because a lot of times you can't even count on um, – on the, the food supply, the chain coming from all over the world, you know, sometimes there's a lag there. So if, if we can get right direct to the, to the local producers, it's a win-win situation in so many ways. And, and I think that that is, you know, one good thing that's maybe come out of us being uh, stuck at home for so long is that it's required us and called us to to a, a higher calling of 
taking more notice of what's going on right in our in our current neighborhoods and our current current areas. Yeah, so, so totally and definitely a message of our book. So so the, a number of farmers said um, exactly this, which of course they didn't know there was going to be a pandemic. But what they said was that, you know, our regional food supply has to be paid attention to and given it the um, you know attention it deserves because at some point. We may come to uh, the, we may come to the point where we won't be able to ship food from you know even even neighboring states or up and down the coast or across the country or whatever it is and the re the regional food systems will be the suppliers um, of our food and while we're not exactly there we're getting closer certainly at this time where we really do have to rely on regional and on the issue of animals and ethical farming I'm thinking of one farm that we uh, we spoke to the farmers, Climbing Tree Farm, the Gales, and they write extensively, extensively they, they farm um, pigs, and they write extensively about how they think about killing um, an animal each time they do it. They don't, they don't take it lightly. They think about it. They, they write about it. They want to make sure those animals have had the best possible lives ever, and they are not unique in terms of the farmers. Yeah, that's. Uh, I've always said if I had to kill an animal myself, I'd probably be a vegetarian, uh, because it's, it 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 has to be a a hard thing to do. But people who who have lived on farms, you know, my great grandparents were farmers. I mean, that's just part of it. I mean, you that that's just part of of living, and it's a necessity, and it has to be done. And um, the, the the more that that we can. Uh, tap into the, you know, the the sanctity of that, and and not just mass producing and killing things without consciousness, um, is is a benefit to humanity. And and you really talked about that ethical farming in in your cookbook. Um, I so love the meat, <laughs> but uh, you know, but if 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 I can get that a, a way that I don't have to be the farmer and it's done ethically and um with with respect then you know i, I think it's, it's it's a win for everybody but we have many meat farmers in the berkshire so of course we we write mm -hmm. about them recipes inspired by them and uh your message that you that that message comes across you know Sky, skylar um gale who's one of the farmers said um when killing animals we care about she's one of the two pig farmers uh behind climbing tree farm when killing animals we care about becomes nonchalant and fails to stir our emotions, then we will know we need to stop raising animals for meat. We respect our animals in life, and we are thankful for them in death. And I think that it says it beautifully. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, because of the COVID-19 that's um, really impacted us all, you don't get to have the traditional book tour that you would normally have. Um, although the, the, the cookbook is a success out of the gate, so many people were anticipating it, and it's, uh, and it's just been so successful immediately. Um, but it, 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 there's still nothing like going out and talking to people and meeting them and hearing their stories. And so I, I really wanted the two of you to talk to your fans and tell them what, what you want them to know that you can't tell them because of, of the book tour or if there is a possible book tour, what that's going to look like down, down the road. Wow. What a, what a, what a great question. Yeah, really we, we had actually, we had an extensive book talk planned uh, that was a book tour story that started in uh, Florida, where a lot of people who live in the Berkshires in the summer or in the, there in the winter. 
uh, going to New York and Boston, of course, in the Berkshires and even coming out to West Coast uh, and around the country. So uh, pretty much uh, that has been canceled. And so we've had to, you know, find a new way to communicate uh, our messaging and um, and what our books book is about as a cookbook. It's really hard to do cooking demonstrations uh, virtually. Uh, so we're doing this uh, through a lot of virtual book talks. We're doing this through interviews such as the one we're having. We're doing this in, in the interviews. We've, As we said, we've gotten some really wonderful reviews and talking to various uh, papers. Um, the message, I think the message, and, we're, and also on our social media, and I do want to emphasize that our Facebook and Instagram and, and website, Berkshires and Beyond, Dot com really uh, gives out like it, it tells the messaging of her book it highlights recipes it's got some of the recipes and of course tells you how to buy the book with, in many ways with Amazon Barnes and Noble bookshop.org with local uh, stores I know pals uh, uh, has is selling the book um, I don't for me the message if you know <laughs> I would love to it, the message what we've been saying to you is that buy local, Know your farmer, and be be adventurous, flexible in cooking fresh ingredients. I think those are some of the mes- some of the messagings that I would say, Lisa, would have. Yeah, no, yeah. no, I agree. But I, you know, going back to the source of your question about how the book tour is canceled, et cetera, One of the things that's so um, amazing to me in this time is how, and I know the word is overused, but I'm going to use it anyway. Is how people that we know, and I'm sure you know your listeners and you know as well, but how people pivoted to do things differently. And I think it's really a testament uh, to humans and their resourcefulness. And when this first, you know, happened, we just said, oh, God, you know what, how are we going to ever tell anybody about a book? And for us, the reason we want to tell about the book is because of, uh, of course, the what recipes, but our passion for the issues that Rob described, the, the message we want to give. And we just think, it, for us, it's very important to communicate this as, as, in as widespread a way as possible. And we found, you know what, there are other ways to do things. And, again, it goes back to the message about being flexible not only in how you cook and how you, uh, you know, choose your careers or pick your careers in life. You know what? There are, uh, there are workarounds in many, many ways. Yeah, we've had to be really nimble. And uh, it's what, when, when the book tours were canceled, as Lisa said, we thought, oh, my gosh, we're, you know, that's kind of the end of getting the word out. And then when people began to get the book and react, and we got so many reactions about how timely this is, we're all cooking, we're desperate for new recipes, and how the messaging about relying on local because the uh, you know the major the food distribution itself is breaking down as you mentioned, Lori. So it's it's strange you know the way life turns out, but in some ways our book is probably more relevant now than it was before. I, I, I would agree with that. And I think it's a really great, it makes a really great gift. We have, um, uh, we just had Mother's Day. We have Father's Day. There's so many um, fathers who, who cook as well. Uh, graduates, they're, they're heading out on their own for the first time. It's really a great thing to send them off with. I'm always a, a really uh, advocate of sending cookbooks off with kids who are going out on their own for the first time and having something. I know that kids love farmer's markets. It's a wonderful resource guide. It's easy to carry. It's easy to, you know, put in your backpack or in your purse or, uh, you know, uh, mark up and, and take to the farmer's market with you so that you can kind of 
see what you want to make and, and look at those farmers and, and talk to those farmers uh, about their, their produce as well. So it's called the Berkshires Farm Table Cookbook. It's available now. So it just came out already a number one bestseller on Amazon. And it's just it is a beautiful, beautiful book. The spirit of that comes through, and I really appreciate you two t- taking the time. I know that you're busy, and to, but to come out and talk to us here in Seattle, and it 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 could have been called the the Seattle Farm to Table Cookbook because it's it's, it's that um, uh, just it. It, it's that familiar to us, and it's just absolutely wonderful, and it's quintessential New England, like I said, and it's a, I, I can see why it, it hit a nerve with people, how it tapped into their heart immediately, and they just fell in love with it because it's, 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 it's very special, and um, you two should be very proud. Well, you're so kind. It's been so much fun to talk with you, and ho- we certainly hope to meet personally in Seattle. Yeah. When we look at thank you. Your questions were just yeah, wonderful. We love thank you enough. Yeah, so probing. Fabulous. Really appreciate yeah. it. And we hope your listeners will get in touch with us. Um, they can do so, again, through that BerkshiresAndBeyond.com. I'm sure through you, Lori. Of course, we'd love to hear mm-hmm. from anybody, any thoughts you have. All right, and we will put the links up and uh, so that everybody can, can get to you guys, and we'll encourage everybody to reach out because I, I know the, how, how much important the, the feedback is. And when you make your way eventually over here to Seattle, we'll make sure that everybody gets out. And uh, all, all these food things sell out very, very quickly. People here in Seattle love to meet the authors. They love to talk to you face-to-face. Uh, the book lawyer here in Seattle is one of the main ones that uh, are bringing in authors, and, and I know that they've really struggled not being able to have the authors in, but uh, um, I, I'm sure eventually that when things ease up that uh, they will be looking to have the two of you in here in Seattle, and we'll make sure that we get everybody over to that. So thank you thank again, you. and I can't wait for your next cookbook. Well, thank you. We'd <laughs> thank love you to so come. Much. Thank you so Take much. Care. Be healthy, everybody. Right. Bye-bye, everyone. Okay. Thank you. Bye. All right. The name of the book is the Berkshire's Farm Table Cookbook, and it's available now, and I'll be right back. <laughs> 